Okay, brothers and sisters in the faith, uh, praises be to our loving Father that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commands. We are studying the book of Deuteronomy. Today we'll focus on Deuteronomy chapter 27 and also uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. So as you can see, we are just moving forward to Deuteronomy. And like what we said to you afterwards, we're going to jump to Revelation. But, um, but before we go there, there are some things that we want to kind of tie up so to prepare us for the study of the book of Revelation. But for today, we will study the book of Deuteronomy chapter 27, Curse of the Law. Now, why is it entitled this way? Well, what did Yahuwah God through Moses instruct the people of Israel to do upon entering the promised land? Let's read Deuteronomy 27, 1, 2, 3. Then Moses, together with the leaders of Israel, said to the people, Obey all the instructions that I am giving you today. On the day you cross the Jordan River and enter the land that Yahuwah your God is giving you, you are to set up some large stones, cover them with plaster, and write them and write on them all these laws and teachings. When you have entered the rich and fertile land that Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And so Moses giving a sermon to the people of Israel anticipating that they will indeed cross the Jordan and enter the land Yahuwah God promised his people, reminded them of what they were to do once they get there. What is that? One of the things they were instructed to do was to set up some large stones and cover them with plaster so that what they will write on there will be very accessible and easy to understand and read. And so what were they commanded to do with these large stones covered with plaster? They are, they are to write on them the laws and the teachings of Yahuwah. And so something written had to be provided. It was not simply the oral presentation of the commandments, but even the written presentation of the commandments in the large stones covered with plaster. What also? was commanded by Yahuwah God for the people of Israel. Verse 4, when you cross the Jordan, set up these stones at Mount Ebal and coat them with plaster as I am commanding you today. And so when they enter the promised land, they're going to find a mountain there. What's the name of the mountain? The, the mountain's name is Mount Ebal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's the way I can the way I see it's pronounced Mount Ebal, okay? And so once they get there, they are to set up these stones there at the mountain. Not only that, there on Mount Ebal, what are they to also do? Let's read 5 to 8. Then build an altar there to Yahuwah your God using natural uncut stones. You must not shape the stones with an iron tool. Build the altar of uncut stones and use it to offer burnt offerings to Yahuwah your God. Also sacrifice peace offerings on it and celebrate by feasting there before Yahuwah your God. You must clearly write all these instructions on the stones coated with white plastic. So there are stones which contain the written teachings and instructions of Yahuwah Abba. And on Mount Ebal, they are to build also an altar to Yahuwah God. And in that altar, they are to offer burnt offerings, sacrifice peace offerings to appease the anger of God should, there be, should they be guilty of committing sin. And after saying this, Moses went on to, ex to exhort to the people of Israel, you must obey Yahuwah, your God, by keeping all these commands and decrees I am giving you today. Actually, when they arrived to the promised land, not only will there be a mountain in Ebal, there's also another mountain across it that serves another purpose. What would the purposes of these two mountains be? Ebal and Gerizim. Let's read 11 to 13. The same day, that same day, Moses also gave this charge to the people. When you cross the Jordan River, the tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin must stand on Mount Gerizim to proclaim a blessing over the people. And the tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali must stand on Mount Ebal to proclaim a curse. And so here's the scenario. 
upon entering the promised land, they're going to find a place where there are two mountains across each other. One was Mount Gerizim. The other is Mount Ebal. What are they to do in regards with these two mountains? Some people from the different tribes will stand on Mount Gerizim, while the other will stand where? On Mount Ebal. And so the way this is going to work out is their backs will be uh, turned against Gerizim, facing Ebal. The other group, their backs on Mount Ebal, facing Gerizim. So that there are two groups of the people of Israel facing each other. One from Gerizim, one from Ebal. Now, who are the tribes that were to stand on Mount Gerizim? Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Joseph, and Benjamin. How about those who were to stand on Mount Ebal? They are the tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. And each of these mountains will have people on them that will have different function. Those who are on Mount Gerizim, what are they to do? They are to proclaim a blessing. Those who are on Mount Ebal, what are they to do? They are to proclaim a curse. Now, what is the purpose of proclaiming a curse and proclaiming a blessing from these two mountains? Well, it goes back to Deuteronomy 11, 26 to 29. Today, I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. I'm going to pause there for a while. Remember, when Yahuwah God elected the people of Israel, Yahuwah established a covenant with them. What's a covenant again? It is an agreement, right? God or Yahuwah would be their God. Israel would be their people. There are terms or stipulations to the covenant. What is that called? The commandments of Yahuwah, our God. And so basically, Yahuwah God, as he entered into a covenant relationship with Israel, is telling them, here are the commands. Now, the terms of the covenants is this. I am giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. Verse 27, a blessing if you obey the commands of Yahuwah, your God, that I am giving you today. But a curse if you disobey these commands and turn away to worship other gods that you have never worshipped before. Then Yahuwah brings you into the land you are going to occupy. You are to proclaim the blessing from Mount Gerizim and the curse from Mount Ebal. These two mountains are west of the Jordan River in the territory of the Canaanites who live in the Jordan Valley. They are toward the west, not far from the sacred trees of Moreh near the town of Gilgal. So what was the purpose of the proclaiming of blessing and cursing? It was to emphasize to the people of Israel, number one, that they understand the stipulations of the covenant, that they understand they have a choice, right? The choices they could either choose to obey or disobey. And after they make the choice to obey or to disobey, number two, they need to understand the consequences of their choice. What's the consequence of the choice when they choose to obey? Blessing. If they choose to disobey, what is their choice? Cursing. And so they choose either blessing or cursing. Brethren, if we were to ask you, what would you choose? Cursing or blessing? Of course, we would choose blessing. Why would anyone want to receive the curse of Yahuwah our God? What we want instead is the blessing of Yahuwah, not the curse of God, but that is entirely up to us. God has given us the freedom to choose, and Yahuwah God wants us to choose blessing. This is why he set up this whole event, so that people can realize when they proclaim the blessings and cursings, the blessing sounds so good, and at the same time, the cursing sounds so bad especially as they proclaim it or shout it from one mountain across the other. This is why this whole thing was set up by Yahuwah God to make the effect dramatic so that they would never forget that if they disobey, they'll be cursed. But if they obey, they will receive blessing. And so when they enter the promised land, awaiting them is Mount Gerizim and Mount uh, Eba. Actually, we can go to Israel today 
but maybe not today, right? Maybe not in the foreseeable future, given what is taking place over there right now. It's not a safe place to go. But if you were to go there, you will find this town of Shechem. And in Shechem, if you look to your right and to your left, you will find Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. On the right, on to our right, when we look at the screen, you see Mount Ebal, right? And across it, about a mile, is Mount Gerizim. And so the people of Israel would be divided into two groups. And set of tribes would gather around Mount Ebal facing Gerizim. And another group would gather around Gerizim facing Ebal so that they face each other. And it turns out when you go to the town of Shechem, when you go to Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim, and you talk, you can actually be heard on the other side of the mountain because of the way the valley is set up, kind of traps the sound. And so it's like a natural amphitheater many times over. And it works beautifully. Scientists have actually gone there to test this natural amphitheater. And so when you go there and you sing on Mount Ebal, you can be heard in Gerizim. Can you imagine proclaiming blessing from Gerizim and proclaiming curses from Ebal? The dramatic effect that would have, it's re it would really be awesome. And it should leave a lasting and dramatic impact into the hearts and the minds of the people of Israel because they will hear and they will feel because of the vibration of the sound the impact of blessing and cursing and so this is another vantage point of Shechem with Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal this valley formed a natural amphitheater so a speaker's voice could be heard in both hillsides Likewise, the shouts of a crowd in Gerizim could be heard on Ebal. Can you imagine how, that, how dramatic that would be, right? And so that's one of the purposes for why this procla proclaiming of blessing and proclaiming of cursing was set up by Yahuwah God. It was to dissuade the people of Israel in a dramatic way from receiving the curse and to encourage the people of Israel instead to receive the blessing by choosing command. But there's another reason. If you still remember, the book of Deuteronomy was basically like a covenant document. When we studied the book of Deuteronomy in the very beginning, we told you it had the elements of a covenant. Back during the days of the people of Israel, the pagan nations around them adopted a covenant, uh, ways of doing covenants. And it included a preamble, a prologue, historical prologue, stipulations, document clause, blessings and curses, covenant witnesses. And so what that meant was the preamble introduces the two parties of the covenant. In this case, who are the two parties? Yahuwah and his people. And so Yahuwah's entering into a treaty, a covenant with his people Israel. The historical prologue teaches how they came to come to that agreement. And this was the purpose of the preaching of Moses in the first and second part of Deuteronomy. The stipulations, the terms of the covenant, is now taking place here in this sermon of Moses. The document clause is something written. Where is it written again? The stones covered with plaster. So they have actual tactile, something tangible, documents, not just something passed orally but something they can actually see, something they can actually read. So the document clause was there. Blessings and curses to keep the terms of the covenants. It need to be understood that everyone who is part of the covenant must understand that if they were to obey, they will get blessing. And if they were to curse, or if they were to disobey, they would receive curse. Everyone had to understand that term. And so there was the, bless, the, the reading of the blessings and curses. And of course, it had to be covenant witnesses. The event had to be public. This is why this whole setup with the, the natural amphitheater, right? Between these two mountains so that the whole event can be public and it would contain the reading of the blessings and the curses. And in Deuteronomy chapter 27, 
we find the reading of the curses, but we don't find the reading of the blessings for some reason. Perhaps the reason why was because they did not want, they did not need to be reminded of the blessing, but what they needed to be really reminded of was the cursing. And so what kind of curses were they? First of all, how many here would want to be cursed? I'm sure nobody wants to be cursed, right? I mean, the curse of Yahuwah God is real. And if one is under the curse of Yahuwah God, it doesn't matter where you go, right? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who your friends are. The only way for you to succeed if you're under the curse of God is if you repent and return to who? Yahuwah God. Nobody wants to be under the curse of God. Well, how can one know if one is under the curse of God? Back then, it was very clear because the curses were told in advance. And we find it actually in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Chapter 28 will list for us the blessings and also a description of the curses. Now, we're not going to go in detail with each of these curses because we're going to go over them later on, not today, but later on in a future episode as we find and look for the where the ancient Israelites went after they dispersed from captivity. But for now, we will look at the summary of these curses. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, some of them were children were cursed. And so if the children were cursed, like for example, or low birth rate, that was a sign that they were cursed from God. Crops ruined their animals. Or the crops were ruined, their, their animals were killed, so their source of livelihood was affected. Confusion of mind, madness, and fear. And so the Bible calls this illness of the heart, confusion of the mind, psychological ills. Um, it, was for, it was one of the um, curses of Yahuwah God. What else? Sickness, plagues, and pandemics. And uh, th this was also one of the signs of the curse of God. Drought, hunger, and thirst. Defeat in war. Wives ravished, oppression and slavery, and cannibalism. There was there's a point where it's going to be so bad. The poverty and the hardship, hardship is going to be so bad. The oppression is going to be so bad. The people would end up eating each other. Kind of gruesome, isn't it? What else? Captivity, corpses not buried, plans shattered. You have all these plans about a future event or a future desire, but it's shattered and destroyed. Poverty, debt, nakedness, so poverty and hardship, robbery, children kidnapped, aliens take over the land. Now, when we say aliens, we're not talking about aliens from a different planet, okay? We're talking about those who don't belong to the nation of Israel. Shame and scorn. And so when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, you will see the details of these different types of curses that people who have a covenant relationship with God will experience in their life when they break the terms of the covenant, okay? And we will go into more detail in our future episode as we look at Deuteronomy 28 and also Leviticus because we see that the people of Israel, they were very stubborn and hard-hearted. And so despite them being cursed and punished, they would still remain stubborn as ever. And this curse would be multiplied. And we will use that to kind of trace what happened to Israel after they dispersed, after the captivity in Assyria and in Babylon. By the way, all of these curses that we just read, Deuteronomy 28, all of them were already fulfilled in the people of Israel after the Assyrian and the Babylonian captivity. Because at that point, there was an instance where they ended up being oppressed so badly, they ended up eating their own children. Can you imagine that? It was that bad. And so it was fulfilled in Israel during the Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. It was so bad, a book was written about it. The author was God, of course, but the one who wrote the book is Jeremiah. You probably know that book. The book of what? Lamentations, right? The Lamentations of 
Jeremiah, because these curses were fulfilled because Israel chose not to obey, but to disobey Yahuwah God. Now, we know about these curses, okay? Now, what we want is to avoid receiving this curse. Am I right? I mean, nobody wants any of these curses. Nobody wants to be captive. No one wants poverty and debt and nakedness. No one wants to be robbed. We want blessing. We don't want cursing. And so it turns out, brethren, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, Yahuwah God kind of highlights some sins that warranted a curse. And it's interesting because, yes, Yahuwah God has many laws. And if you have many laws, there are potential for many sins, right? But these sins were highlighted by Yahuwah God that those who commit these sins, they will receive a curse from Yahuwah God. Do you want to know what they are? There are eight categories of these different sins. We'll go through them one by one. And brethren, if I were you, although this does not apply to us by the letter, because we're no longer living during the days of Israel, nevertheless, the pattern of Yahuwah's holiness, because what we're going to find here in the next slide we're going to present to you is really the heart and character of Yahuwah God. And so we need to learn from scripture the things we need to avoid, right? So we need to avoid the sins that bring about the curse of Yahuwah God in our life. Are you ready? Do you want to know what they are? All eight of them or eight categories. There's actually more than eight, but eight categories. You want to know what they are? You want to begin with number one, the first one on the list. What do you think is number one on the list? That when you did this, it would bring the curse of God in your life. What do you think number one was? First one. What could it be? Let's find out. 2715. God's curse on anyone who makes an idol of stone, wood, or metal, and secretly worships it. Yahuwah hates idolatry. And all the people will answer, amen. You see, the Levites would lead in the proclamation of cursing and blessing, right? And so they would all say, God's curse on anyone who makes an idol of stone, wood, or metal, and secretly worships it. Yahuwah hates idolatry. And then the people will say, amen, in agreement that if they are to commit this sin, they are accepting the curse of God in their life. And so what was the first one? It's idolatry. Bible says, Yahuwah hates idolatry. I don't know if you notice this, but time and time again, Yahuwah's emphasizing to his people that there's one thing he hates. What is it? Idolatry. And idolatry comes in so many different forms. And Yahuwah says, cursed is anyone who makes an idol of stone, wood, or metal. And what does it say? Secretly worship it. Because you can make a stone, maybe a statue. And perhaps you're going to say, do not worship this statue. Do not bow down to this statue. But the fact that they've made it in the first place and secretly, meaning not obviously, they worship it. Bible says that is equivalent to what? Idolatry. I mean, it doesn't have to be a blatant form of idolatry. It can be a subtle form of idolatry, like erecting a statue. And then after erecting that statue, idolizing the one represented by that statue in a way that secretly is a kind of worship of that person. What is that called? Idolatry, that's number one. Yahuwah God says, cursed if anyone will do this. What else? Well, number two, cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. And all the people will reply, amen. So what's the next or the other sin that if you commit it, it brings a curse in your life? Bible says, do not dishonor father or Mother, so that kind of sin brings a curse into your life. And, you know, when we're thinking about all this, we're probably thinking about certain things. It's not my intent for you to 
to think of specifically any group of people, <laughs> but it's something that we need to keep in mind as we study the book of, uh, about when we study the Holy Scriptures, because Yahuwah God is revealing to us, he's revealing to us what we need to do so that we would not be under the curse of, uh, under his curse, okay? So, so far, number one, idolatry, right? You get that? Even religious leaders can be idols. Number two, do not dishonor father or mother. And everyone must follow this command, even a religious leader. A religious leader cannot say, well, I'm the leader, so I have the right not to honor my father or mother. No, no, no. Bible says everyone, okay? What else? Let's read Deuteronomy 27, 17. Curses anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all the people will reply, amen. What also is a way of, or what else is cursed by Yahuwah God? Bible says when you steal, but, right, when you steal by using works of what? Deception. By moving a boundary marker. For example, you will say to people, if you don't eat that land, we will build a nice house of prayer. The land was donated. Instead of building a nice house of prayer, what did they do? You built a casino maybe, or maybe condo, housing. And then the one who donated it probably will say, well, what happened to the place of worship? Well, we just built a condo. You, we will sell you one. <laughs> what do you call that? Bible says you stole property by moving a boundary marker, okay? Cursed is anyone who does that. What else? Deuteronomy 27, 18. Cursed is anyone who leads a blind person astray on the road. And all the people reply, amen. What else? Is another action worthy of curse from Yahuwah God. It's when you lead a blind person astray. In other words... When you take advantage of a blind, what am I going to say next? Blind what? Follower, right? When you take advantage of a blind follower, and instead of teaching them the way that is proper and right, you teach them to do the bad things or the evil things that they're not supposed to do. You lead them astray. Why? Because they don't know any better. They don't want to know any better because for them, it's better to simply follow the leader instead of reading the Bible on their own. And so a blind taking advantage of a blind follower, that is something that results in the curse of Yahuwah God. What else? Well, there are four, there are actually four in the next uh, group, but I'm not going to read it because, well, we know that there are people who are minors watching this show. <laughs> so we're not going to go ahead and read the actual verse. But what I'm going to say is this. The next four, right, in Deuteronomy 20, 27, 20 to 23, describes sexual immorality. It's just too graphic for me to read here. So I'm not going to do that. But if you want to read it on your own, uh, be my guest. Okay. And so sexual immorality. When you commit this, it brings a curse into your life. What else? Deuteronomy 27, the verses 24. Curse is anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret. And all the people will reply, amen. You know, when you attack a neighbor in secret, it means you, you do so. For example, you spy in a person's activities for the purpose of harming him, right? I remember not too long ago, I think back in 2016, when we were starting out in our worship service gatherings, you know, there was a minister who posed, who posed to be one of us. And this minister, I'm not going to mention his name, Aspiras. <laughs> I'm not going to mention Aspiras's first name. That's what I meant, right? And he said, oh, we're, I'm one of you. And so, you know, out of the kindness of our heart, we took him in and we let him preach. It turns out he was a spy. He was spying us because he wanted to do harm against us he was able to even steal one of our videos and upload it on youtube and so the bible says these kinds of things and whoever's behind those kind of things they will bring upon themselves the curse of yahuwah our god what else deuteronomy 25 cursed is anyone who accepts 
payment to kill an innocent person. And all the people will reply, Amen. Well, also brings the curse of Yahuwah God upon their life. Bible says those who accept payment to kill another person. Now, if that is bad, how much more if you're the one who paid for to have someone who's innocent killed? That's even worse. And that brings the curse of God upon their life. And so when we look at these different curses, we need to understand Yahuwah God hates them. So much that the Bible says anyone who practices these things, they will incur the curse of Yahuwah upon their life. But in case uh, people will say, okay, I'm free, I'm good. There's one more thing Yahuwah God added here. And this last one affects all of us. This is why we entitled uh, the, uh, the, uh, the prog uh, tonight's program with the title curse of the law in the book of deuteronomy 27 26 the last one god's curse on anyone who does not obey all of god's laws and teachings and all the people will answer amen that's a tough one to keep isn't it right i mean yahuwah god highlighted the first seven categories but this one here is a big one because the bible says yahuwah's curse on those who do not obey all of God's laws and teachings. This is why when a person receives the law, they have to understand in advance, there's a curse of the law, right? What's the curse of the law? If you receive the law and you're unable to keep all of the law, you will be cursed. And that's a tough thing to, uh, to have to face. And Apostle Paul actually alluded to that. And so we jump to Galatians 3, 10 to 11. But those who depend on the law, love Moses, uh, to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so Apostle Paul, looking back to Deuteronomy 27, 26, he says there's a curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Bible says if you depend on the law to make you right with God, it is impossible. Why? Because for a person to be put right with God under the law, they'd have to be perfect all of the time. That's impossible. Because as human beings, we commit sin. None of us are perfect. This is why if one depends on the law, they will receive the curse of the law. However, Yahuwah God provided us with a way out. What was that? Let's keep reading verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. And so when it comes to the curse of the law, who redeemed us from that curse? Yahushua. How? When he brought the curse upon himself. When did this happen? When he was on the cross and when he died for our sins. He paid for our sins on the cross so that the curse would fall on him, not us. This is why when it comes to these curses of the law, we don't have to be afraid of that anymore. It doesn't affect us anymore. We are curse free in Yahushua. In Yahushua, there is no more condemnation. However, there's still another curse that the Bible talks about. You see, there's the curse of the law, but there's also a curse upon something else. What is that? Isaiah 24, 5 to 6. The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broke and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left alive. And so there's the curse of the law. There's also a curse that Yahuwah God placed upon the whole earth. And the truth is, he places curse upon the whole earth back in the Garden of Eden. And this is why here on earth, for human beings to, to survive, he has to work. He has to labor. And he has been appointed to die. But this curse is getting worse. And because of the curse, what would happen to the earth? It would be consumed. 
because the earth suffers for the sins of its people. And we know in these last days, are people getting holier or not? Bible says they have violated his laws, twisted the instructions of Yahuwah God. And so during our time, there are many things that God hates. Many things that God does not want us to practice, but everyone's saying it's okay. People tolerate wickedness. And because of sin, sin has caused the earth to be consumed by its curse. And what will eventually happen to the whole earth because of the curse? Let's read Isaiah 24, 19 and 20. The earth will crack and shatter and split open. The earth itself will stagger like a drunk, swear like a hut in a storm. The world is weighed down by its sins. It will collapse and never rise again. And so what will happen to the earth? Because it is under the curse of Yahuwah God. Bible says it will collapse, never to rise again. Right now, Bible says it's like a hut in a storm. And it's teetering, moving, shaking. It's about to collapse. And once it collapses for the last time, it will not rise again. What is that referencing? What is that pointing to? The day of judgment, right? And on the day of judgment, what will happen to the planet Earth? Let's read 2 Peter 3, 6-7. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. And so what will eventually happen to the earth? Because it's under the curse of Yahuwah God. The Bible says the present heavens and the earth will be destroyed on the day of judgment. But there is hope. And when we read this verse, maybe we don't see the hope quite yet. Right? But there is hope. You know why? Because Apostle Peter likens the event that will happen in the future with an event that already happened in the ancient world. What was that event? What happened in the ancient world? The ancient world was destroyed. Remember? By what? By a flood. And when the ancient world was destroyed by a flood, there was hope that was given by Yahuwah God. What is that hope? Well, we know that the flood did not last forever. It killed everyone except for eight people. Who were the eight? Noah, his wife, his children, and their three wives. That's eight, right? And they were spared. Why did they live through the universal flood? Why? Because they were in the ark. And so in the ark, they were safe. Remember, the ark represents who? Yahusha, right? They were in the ark, and eventually the ark found rest. Do you know where it rested? Where did Noah's ark rest after the flood began to wane? Let's read Genesis 8.4. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And so we have three mountains today. We got Mount Ebal. We got Mount Gerizim. And now we have what? Mount Ararat. Bible says, when the floodwaters began to wane, the ark rested on Mount Ararat. When did it rest? On the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month. Does that sound familiar? The seventh month in Genesis, in Exodus chapter 12, it becomes the first month, right? They call it the month of Nisan. On the 14th of the first month, what is that? 14th of the, of the first month. Or in this case, in Genesis 8-4, it would be the 14th of the seventh month. What is that? That is the Passover, right? Passover. That's when the Passover lamb is going to be slaughtered. Who is our Passover lamb again? Yahushua. The 17th of that month. What does that correspond to? That's three days later. What happened three days after Yahushua died? Resurrected. You see, Noah's Ark represented not just Yahushua's death, but also his 
Resurrection. Resurrection. When the ark rested, it corresponded to that day when Yahushua came out of the grave and he landed on Mount Ararat. I wonder what the meaning of the name Ararat is. Have you ever considered that? What is the meaning of Ararat? And so we go to our favorite website. What is that again? Blueletterbible.org. And so we go there and we look at Ararat, the Hebrew word 780. And when we click, this is how it is defined according to the uh, Bible dictionary. Ararat, what does it say? Ararat, the curse, reversed. And so during the flood, when Yahusha cast his judgment upon the earth because it was weighed down by its sins after the flood, Yahuwah showed us his plan. He showed us how the curse would be what? Reversed. How? When Yahusha died and then he resurrected. Did that happen already, brothers and sisters? Yeah. This is why, yes, the heavens and the earth will be destroyed, but we have hope because the curse has been reversed through the death and resurrection of Yahushua, our king. What is the meaning of that? What does it mean that the curse has been reversed? How would that manifest itself for each and every one of us? Let's read 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. But in, the, in keeping with his promise. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Because of the curse of God, what would happen to planet earth and the heavens? It would be destroyed, right? But because the curse has been reversed, when Yahushua died and resurrected, what would also happen? There will be a new heavens and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And because of this hope, what does Apostle Peter exhort us to do? Apostle Peter says, since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. This is why as we wait for that day, what should we be focusing on right now? You know, when we look at what's happening in Israel, Israel against Palestine, when you watch the news, it's like, it's like a video game. Right, exchanging fire from in the skies. It's like fireworks, pandemic, the hardships, natural calamities, the violence, the racist, racism, the hatred. Everything's like falling apart, brethren. What should be our focus? What is it? What should be our focus right now? Bible says we need to focus on living a godly and holy life. You know, someone sometimes may say, I feel like my life is under a curse because of what's happening to me. Have you ever felt that way before? I feel like I'm being cursed right now. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, yes, we commit sin, but if you belong to Yahusha, if you are in the body of Yahusha, you are not cursed. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Yahusha. Do you know why? Because if we are in Christ Yahushua, we become the adopted sons and daughters of God. Do you believe that? This is why if you feel like you're being cursed, it's not a curse. If you're a son and daughter of God, you are never going to be under his curse. Then why is this happening to me? Why so many bad things happening to me? Let's read the book of Hebrews 12, 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of Yahuwah's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For Yahuwah disciplines those he loves. and He punishes each one he accepts as his child. Brothers and sisters, 
because of Yahuwah's grace, he sent his son, that we can be his sons and daughters. But as sons and daughters of God, do you know what that means? It means we have a father who loves us. And because of his love for us and because of the fact we are his sons and daughters, what can we expect? We can expect that he will, we will be disciplined by our father, by our Yahuwah God. And so when we are being disciplined by Yahuwah God, what should we do? We should endure. Why? What should we keep in mind as we endure the discipline that Yahuwah God is doing for us? Let's read the final passage of our study, 7 to 8. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Brothers and sisters, if we are being disciplined by God now to the point where we feel, I think my life is under a curse. Brethren, if we belong to Yahushua, we are not under a curse. Instead, we are being disciplined by God. If we are being disciplined by Yahuwah God, what must we do? We have to endure. The Bible says it's not easy because no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. In fact, it's what? It's painful. But the Bible says endure it. What can help us endure the discipline that maybe some of us are enduring? The Bible says just remember. The only reason why God is disciplining you is because he is your father. And that you are his son. You are his daughter. He's doing this because he wants to correct us. What else? What else should we keep in mind? The Bible says he is disciplining us. Because afterward, it will lead to a peaceful harvest of right living. Remember what Apostle Peter said? Because everything will be destroyed in this manner. What should you do? Focus on living a righteous and godly life. If there's anyone who wants us to be saved, who would it be? Yahuwah. It would be Yahuwah. He gave up his son. For us to be saved. Now he is going to discipline us if need be. Because he wants us not to waste that grace of salvation. He wants all of us to receive salvation. So if ever we are being disciplined by Abba. Why not repent? Why not turn to him and say to him thank you. This is proof that you consider me your son. That you consider me your daughter. This is proof that you love me. And that you want me to be saved. Because he does. The world is coming to an end. And he wants to bring all of us together. To be saved. Because in his eyes. In his eyes. We're not just human beings. We are his sons. We are his daughters. And he wants more than anything. But all of us will dwell where he dwells. In the kingdom. That he is preparing for each and every one of us. And so let us respond with repentance. Let us renew our life and let us seek to please our loving Abba, revere his name, Yahuwah, and worship his son, Yahusha HaMashiach. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Father. Yes, Father. Yahuwah Abba. Amen. Thank you so much for you are good and kind. Yes, Father. Although we did not deserve anything from you. Yes, Father. Let alone the promise of everlasting life. Amen. You did the unthinkable. Yes, Father. Something we could never have imagined. Amen. You gave up your son. Yes. Father. That we might become your children. Amen. Father, help us to remember that. Yes. Father. Never ever to forget it. We know, Father, you want us to be saved. Yes. Father. This is why there will be times in our life when you will discipline us. Amen. Father, if any, there be any amongst us. Yes. Who are being disciplined by you now. Yes. We surrender to you father. Yes. Show us our sins. Help us to repent. Yes. Father. And help us to endure. Yes. 
We want to be saved. We want to see you. We want to see your son. On the great day of his appearing. Prepare us now. Everything is being fulfilled. One after the other. The sign of the earth's degradation. And its final collapse is coming soon. Help us now to do our best. To focus our efforts. In revering your name Yahuwah. And worshiping you and your beloved son. Yahusha our king. Yes, because Lord. of you, we are no longer under the curse. Yes, Lord. We have blessing, every blessing yes, in Lord. the heavenly realms now belong to us because of you. Yes, and so we are not afraid. We will be saved. Yes. We are not condemned, not because we're good, yes, but Lord. because we belong to you. Amen. Help us to remain in fellowship with you. Yes, Help us to be loyal to you yes, as our one and only leader and king. Amen. Father, please bless your people. Yes, if Lord. we are unable to endure because yes. you know the limits of our endurance, yes, give us your strength yes. by means of your spirit. Amen. We thank you so much for giving us the gift of the Ruach. Yes. We ask you that in our special worship service, yes. this coming Saturday, yes, help us, Father, that we may receive again yes. the power of your Holy Spirit yes, that will em- empower us all the more yes, to fulfill your holy will. Amen. We remember what you did on the day of Pentecost. Yes. When you poured your spirit upon the disciples. And they knew for certain that you have blessed them on that day. May you likewise bless us on that day. That we will be emboldened and gain the courage. That we will witness for you. And carry out your special will for us. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. Heal your people always and strengthen our faith all the more. We ask and beg everything loving Abba in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.